Welcome back to Across the Board. As always, I'm your host, Chandler Adams, joined by favorite co-host, John Spider Kaufman, and we have a special guest today. That is Tom Kaufman, defensive coordinator of Kent State University, leading that team to their first ever bowl game win. A very, very awesome guest with lots of great insight on some phenomenal players from this year's draft, including Jonathan Taylor, Quintez Cephas, Eno Benjamin, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Love, projected first-round quarterback. Lots of great insight from Tom. Uh, having him on the show was a blast. We cannot thank him enough. We will be right here with Kent State Defensive Coordinator Tom Kaufman after this short break. This podcast is also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm is so easy to use. It's simple, it's fast, it's effective. It's the easiest way to distribute your podcast to every major platform and in the quickest way. I've gone through other websites to host podcasts, and it's a pain in the butt. Anchor does it for you. Join Anchor.fm and do your podcast the right way. And if you're looking to start a podcast, contact one of us at ATV Sports, as we're looking for podcasters for nearly every professional sports team right now. If you think you'd be a good fit, you can also apply at our website, www.atbsports.net. And we're here with Kent State University Defensive Coordinator and Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl Champion, Tom Kaufman. Tom, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. It is an absolute pleasure to be on. Thank you for uh, for asking me to be on. I can't wait. Man, he's already nicer than John. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that was a that was a slam dunk right from the start. So I'm yeah. gonna. So for all you out there listening, you know that I like to talk, but I'm going to let John run this show. Let him and Tom talk. They know each other a little bit better. <laughs> and uh, John's going to talk about some of the players that Tom's had to coach against, and Tom's going to talk about those players. It's going to be a great episode. But, uh, yeah, John, take her over. Um, all right, man. This is uh, this is really cool. This is a real big treat, obviously. Um, you know, I tweeted this out earlier. Obviously, you know, Tom, Tommy is my brother. So, um, you know, like we said, it was uh, – it, it, it did take a little bit of scheduling stuff to – you know, to figure this out. So I'm glad that we finally got it squared away. But, um, but yeah, this is definitely a real treat getting to talk about, uh, you know, some of these prospects and, and guys that, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out where they're going to go in the NFL draft and what, you know, how they're going to be in the, in the NFL, like, where are they going to be good, average, you know, poor players. And, you know, we actually get to talk to somebody who coached against some of them. And this is, you know, this is phenomenal. So, um, so yeah, Tommy. First of all, thanks, man. This is just such a huge treat. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no, really. I, I I I'm glad that you guys asked me to be on. I'm glad we were able to find a time that would work. I think you guys really do a fantastic job. And I just, you know, right off the bat, I wanted to say, man, like I listened to you guys, and I think you guys are so good, so professional, so thorough, and it's amazing to me. Like I I could just see this thing growing so big. Like if I'm a fan, and I'm looking for some news. 
I don't know why I'd go anywhere else. Like, like especially everything that's going on with all the negativity with, you know, uh, with like, like the Tony Grossi thing in the news and all that. Like <laughs> being a Browns fan is hard enough and being in this area, like to get some guys that are optimistic by nature and actually know what they're talking about is, is pretty awesome. So I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. Wow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, big time. That. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I mean, and you're right. You said it. Being a Browns fan is hard enough. So, you know, it's uh, if you're not seeing the world, you know, with glass half full, like you, you'd just be dead by now if you're a Browns fan. It's just too much. <laughs> no so, doubt. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been doing, um, we've been covering position groups, uh, you know, college prospects for the 2020 NFL draft. And obviously, uh, this episode is focused on running backs, um, and of course, that's why we wanted to, you know, bring you on because you are the defensive coordinator for Kent State. You have been for the past two years, so 2018, 2019. Um, so, you know, there's quite a few guys uh, from 2019, 2018 that you coached against, and so obviously, we wanted to get your um, thoughts on these players okay. and kind of see what you thought. Um, so, you guys started out the. Um, uh, the 2019 season, uh, traveling out to, um, what is it, Tempe uh, yep. for Arizona State? Yep. Um, and so you got to coach against running back Eno Benjamin uh, and wide receiver Brandon Ayuk as well. Um, so, yeah, just what did you, um, you know, how, how did you prepare for those guys? And, you know, what did you think about them, you know, during the game afterwards when you got to review film and things like that? Yeah, for sure. That you know, the, the year before, uh, they were very, very committed to running the football. Uh, so when you play a team like that, everything from a game plan standpoint definitely started with uh, with taking Eno Benjamin um, out of the game as much as possible. Um, they were uh, starting a true freshman quarterback this year too. So you know, we wanted to attack a little bit, get after him, find out how he could respond to the pressure. Um, you know, take some chances in, in man-to-man coverage um, with uh, Ayuk, um, and just kind of. You know, make sure that we're putting our guys in a position to to really kill the run. Um, and you know, early on, I thought our our players played really hard that game. I thought they did a fantastic job. Our D line was kind of living in their backfield early. Um, you know, and as the game went on, you know, as happens in those types of games, I think we just started getting a little bit tired. That's when the depth issues kind of show up. Um, you know, but. I th- you know, I-, I thought when all things were done, you know, I did a pretty good job against Eno, um, you know, limited. To, I think he just got 100 yards or something like that. On um, his last carry, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, you know, that was obviously that would have been pretty cool. But, um, you know, the thing with, with him, I think he's a very, very um, powerful back. Um, I think the thing that stands out when you play him is that he plays extremely hard. Like, he plays the game the right way. Um, you know, second effort runs you know, getting into a quarterback scramble and, and he's hustling to go block a, a defender downfield so that the quarterback can get some extra yards, things that, you know, not every tailback is interested in doing. So, um, you know, he's maybe not as big as I thought he was going to be, um, you know, seeing him in person. Um, I can't remember exactly what he was listed on the scouting report, but I believe I believe he's like 5'9", 207. Um, is what he, I had. So he just weighed in at uh, – uh, I, I, I can't remember if it was the combine or I, – I just heard this, but he was he was 195, 5'9", 195. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, so yeah. smaller, but still impressive con- considering what you're saying about him. Yeah, so go ahead. No, I think it is, and I think, like, sometimes guys will lose weight, so they run a, the best the best possible 40 that they can. I, I mean, he's got the frame to be, you know, probably a, a 210, 215, maybe even 220. 
Um, you know, at 5'9", obviously compact, but very, very, very powerful. Um, and like I said, she plays extremely hard. So, um, you know, I think the kid's got a bright future. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's a Texas kid, played some big-time high school football, uh, has a really nice background. And, and their, you know, their offense did kind of go through him, so he's used to being the guy. Um, and I, I think he's, you know, going to be a good player. I, you know, I'm sure there's durability con concerns, um, you know, anybody that's a little bit undersized like that. But like I said, he's pretty stout. So um, overall, though, I think he's a, a fantastic running back, and I just love the way he plays the game. Wow. I just moved him up two spots on my board. So <laughs> uh, in my personal rankings list, yeah, that's, that's impressive because that is definitely a size concern. And typically the magic number with um, – the number that correlates with success most in the NFL is bizarre. It's 210 pounds. Okay. Um, when you get running backs 210 and up, you tend to have more success. And the guys that are smaller obviously have less success. But I don't know. I, I think some of that is, you know, like, um, you know, the guys you recruit the hardest, you know, you're going to give them more opportunities and more playing time and more chances. And you know what I mean? Like you're, you're pouring more resources into those guys. So you know, if you see a guy get to the NFL and he's 190 pounds, like you don't even consider him in anything but a pass catching, you know, satellite back, third down back role. Mm -hmm. um, and this sounds like a guy that could surpass that given the right, you know, maybe diet and um, workout regimen, things like that. So, yeah, um, for sure. That's cool. That's interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I think I would have written him off as, as too small, you know, not knowing that. So, God, this is already fantastic. Um Okay, how about um, Ayuk then? What did you think about him? Just really explosive, dangerous. Um, like I said, had to make a decision. You know, you make a decision a game like that. We're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to to stop the run game. Um, so we did say take some chances on him in coverage. Um, you know, I looked it up and just get you know he against us. He had four catches for 140 yards. Um, you know, half of that came on a, a really really bad call by the Kent State defensive coordinator. Um, just. <laughs> Brought a, brought a pressure at a really stupid time, and he took it 77 <laughs> yards to the house. Um, so, you know, he, he's that kind of guy, though. I mean, he can he can get the ball in his hands and be extremely dangerous. Um, you know, same, same kind of thing, just going into the game, thought he was going to be a, a longer guy than he was. I think he was listed anywhere between, like, 6'2 and 6'3, and I – I think he's really just like about a six foot kind of guy, and you you probably know that more than I do. But um, he's uh, very 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 explosive, um, you know, dangerous with the football in his hands. And again, we're talking about first game for a true freshman starter at quarterback. Um, you know, had him scrambling around a little bit, so just didn't wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he was playing with Tom Brady when I got to see him live. I think if he's got a an older, more veteran, ready-to-roll quarterback. I think the kid's got, you know, definitely starter potential um, in the National Football League. Chance to be an impact player. Yeah, they have him listed at six foot two hundred one, so right, pretty much dead on to what you thought. So yeah, yeah. But you feel like he plays bigger, huh? Yeah, I do. I think he plays bigger. Um, you know, he can go up and get it. Um, you know, athletically, he's he's definitely got some some hop. You know, ability. He can get up there. Um, you know, change of direction, those types of things. I mean, the long, you know, the play, they threw a screen pass and he got it, stuck his foot in the ground, made a couple really nice cuts, has really good awareness. Um, you know, I mean, just really, really, again, another really solid football player. Yeah, he's kind of, um, when people describe him, they usually say twitchy, things like that, where yes. he's got, you know, explosive change of direction and stuff. So, yep. 
and I think you'd expect that out of a six foot, you know, receiver as opposed to, you know, I mean, you're not expecting Calvin Johnson or, or even Julio Jones, who really isn't all that tall, but just plays like a big, you know, big, thick receiver. Mm-hmm. But yep. Yeah. I is definitely different. So interesting. So, all right. So then, uh, week, uh, five, uh, the 2019 season, you guys traveled to camp Randall stadium in Wisconsin to take on the Badgers. Um, and so you got to see, uh, Jonathan Taylor in that game. Um, Oh, oh did I? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he, he still seeing him in some of the <laughs> nightmares? <and> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about that. Oh, uh, he is just so damn good. So what did you think about him, you know, going in and then actually like during the game while you're actually, you know, while you're actually coaching against, you know, this kind of a player? I thought he was just fantastic. Um, I thought he has everything that you want to see out of a tailback, um, you know, just, again, very, very, very powerful, you know, um, breakaway speed, ability to stick his foot in the ground and change direction, um, shows up in the pass game as a receiver a little bit, shows up as a blocker. I mean, just cannot say enough good things about him. I think he's going to end up being a fantastic pro. Like a type of guy could see him leading the NFL in rushing. I mean, if he just, depending on the system he gets into and all that, I get it. But the kid could be a superstar, just extremely powerful and obviously just so ridiculously productive um, throughout his college career at Wisconsin. So can't say enough good things about Jonathan Taylor. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's 5'11", 220. Um, they're going to... I think the running backs are Saturday or Sunday at the combine. So we'll find out what he runs in the 40. I mean, he's probably going to be a four, you know, maybe mid four guy, like four, four, you know, five, something like that. Okay. Um, So I would guess, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, but his playing speed, you know, I don't think there's anybody that has any doubts or questions about, you know, his playing speed, obviously. So no, that, Um, and just so patient too, like that, you know, that's another trait that just kind of just tough and patient just lets the the blocks get set up you know he's not a not he doesn't overdo it and when he hits it man it's like boom he shot out of a cannon you know at 220 pounds so he's 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 fantastic Hmm. um also in that game uh was just three catches for 28 yards was quintez cephas Mm -hmm. um, who's another guy that's you know going to be in the uh, draft this year so um anything i mean i know he didn't have much of an impact or anything like that but anything on him you know, I, he didn't have an impact really. Probably just, I mean, they were obviously against us, running the ball extremely well. So, yeah. um, you know, didn't have to, you know, really do that. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Speedy Kid, um, you know, has a, a little bit of, of run after the catch ability, um, you know, those kinds of things. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know how much of a impact he had in their offensive system so it's hard for me to to go into tremendous detail on him to be honest with you yeah that's okay yeah we were figuring that and like i said i think uh chandler did you mention something about him coming back from suspension or something like that was that what he was dealing with i i thought um when i was watching him play maybe the buckeyes they said something about his suspension it might have been injury okay um, yeah. So if that's the case too, it's you know if they're running the ball pretty well with Taylor and he's coming back for an injury, he's you know it might be barely on the field. He so. was he was suspended. For okay. Believe it or that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
And then the the last guy from 2019 that we really wanted to cover, and even though it's, this is the running back, um, you know, podcast, but uh, you guys obviously, as Chandler mentioned in the beginning, uh, not only did you win the Frisco Bowl, but it's Kent State's first ever bowl win. Oh, so, damn it, I forgot that. I should... Yeah, it's okay. I didn't, so no worries. Um, <laughs> in the intro, asshole. <laughs> um, in what? It, it was like 98 seasons of Kent State football, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was a, uh, it was really, really cool. It was uh, that's from, amazing. It's really fun. Um, you know, Sean Lewis, our head football coach, has has come in here, and done a fantastic job with uh, the culture. Um, our players, we have fantastic players. They, they work extremely hard. They're extremely focused. Um, you know, they already have the mindset like, hey, last year was great. You know, but let's let's go win the MAC this year. Let's go. Let's do that, and then go win a bowl game after that. So. Um, it's it's been a pleasure to be a part of this. Uh, I think the the program is just skyrocketing. Local players want to want to be a part of this. Um, you know, there's a buzz about the program, um, and like I said, I think our coach Lewis, our head coach, has just done an absolutely unbelievable job. And I think the sky's the limit for this program. All right. Well, I mean, you you you've got a lot of people convinced, that's for sure. Because, I mean, even just the um, yeah, I mean, just the end of the season, you know, the three wins to get to bowl eligible, you know, the, the comeback against Buffalo, Ball State, Eastern Michigan, you know, and then you go to the, the you know, a bowl game and it, what did, had Kent State played in what, three total ever? Something like that? I think that's, that sounds right. Or maybe this might have been the fourth. I, you know, this was either okay. the third or the fourth. I, I don't know that for sure. Okay, I know it's low. I know it was a low number and they had obviously never won one, but yeah, so, but anyway, so yeah, you guys find yourselves in the Frisco Bowl. Um, and you're coaching against one of the uh, quarterback prospects that is really polarizing and someone that's really interesting, Jordan Love. Um, now, you guys obviously won the game 51 to 41. Uh, Love was 30 for 39, 317 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. He took four sacks, uh, 10 carries for 28 yards. So, you know, per, uh, completion percentage wise, he had a pretty, you know, that's a pretty nice game, obviously. But, mm -hmm. I mean, 300 yards in college, I think. Yeah, all the quarterbacks start out with 300 yards in college, right? You just <laughs> That's where you start out with. It's <laughs> it like your handicap. Sounds about right. Nowadays. Yeah. So <laughs> um, what did you think about him playing against him coach or coaching against him? I should say, you know, I like them. I, I, I do. I like him. I, and I know he's a polarizing prospect and I think that's always fun when you're talking about a quarterback. Um, you know, the, the thing that I always go back to when you're talking about quarterbacks is that, you know, back in the day, uh, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf was a legitimate discussion over who should be the number one pick. Um, and so it, it can be a, a very difficult position to evaluate. Um, you know, we had Jimmy Garoppolo, um, had the pleasure of, of having him when we were at Eastern Illinois together. You know, and, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I, I think Eastern Illinois was either his only offer or like one of like maybe a couple offers that he had, you know, so that's crazy <laughs> yeah you know so it's and and you know james morgan james morgan was a quarterback um yep. that we recruited when we were at bowling green um you know and i i don't know exactly what happened um but i know after we left um you know he he made the decision to transfer out of there and now he's developed into a, a fantastic exciting prospect at quarterback so um you know i think our quarterback dustin crumb is a guy that's kind of come out of nowhere. Now all of a sudden you hear people talking about him. So um, there's a lot to the position. Um, what you have upstairs, 
um, in between your ears has a lot to do with your success, you know, at that position, maybe more so than any other position in football. Um, all I can say is just playing against Jordan um, and having, you know, coached against some NFL quarterbacks, he definitely fits the bill. Um, on the football field, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He has an NFL frame. Um, he's got elite size. Um, I think he's got fantastic arm strength, um, can make all the throws, um, you know, through a field comeback um, that ended up being, you know, a little bit of yardage after the catch ended up being a touchdown um, in the bowl game. You know, I think there's things that you can do to affect him um, that I think people will take advantage of. Um, I do think, you know, when he gets pressured, um, he's uh, obviously a lot less effective. Any quarterback is. Um, but some seem to be affected by that a little bit more. And I, and I would, you know, put him, you know, in that category. Um, I think when he does scramble, um, he definitely has the ability to run and hurt you with his feet, but he's definitely scrambling to throw, um, which I think is a, is a strong trait for him. Um, you know, I think he does do a decent job of keeping his eyes downfield um, and, and making some big throws. I, do, I He definitely has a gunslinger mentality. Um, you know, he'll try to force some throws in there. You do breaking down their film, you know, our GAs, uh, Dan Conwell and Bo Alexander, they do a fantastic job. They work extremely hard. They broke down the entire season um, so that we had every game, you know, studied going into the bowl game. And there are there are numerous throws throughout the season where you're like, wow, I mean, he just, he just threw it into a team meeting. I mean, it's unbelievable. So... <laughs> Um, you know, there's just some, some, wow, did he really just do that moments, you know, in a bad way, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, we, we had expectations of maybe being able to pick off, um, a few more. Um, we ended up rushing three against him quite a bit. Um, you know, wanted to get as many defenders into some lanes as possible because we thought that he would throw us the football, um, you know, and, and, and he ended up really just kind of tucking it and running in most of those situations. So, um, but again, just athletic enough to extend the play. Um, and, and, you know, obviously that's very, very dangerous when that happens. Um, and a big time, big time arm. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I don't know. I, I've obviously never had a conversation with the young man. I don't know, you know, what his passion for the game is or anything like that. I don't know how sharp he is in the meeting room. He might be fantastic. He might be average. I don't know, but I just know on the football field, he's, he's an NFL quarterback. So with him, uh, the thing that people point to right away um, is his 2018 season was very good, and 2019 was a considerable drop-off. Um, and then you look at Utah State's team in 2018, and I, I, I think it was one lineman and two receivers. Like, they had like four or five guys drafted from that squad, and then this past year it was a lot less. So, you know, and I don't want to make excuses. I mean, you know, great players shine, you know, no matter what and stuff, but, um, but you also – you know, you, it doesn't, you can't just go anywhere and, you know, be the number one quarterback in the country if you're, you know, getting killed all the time. So, um, so it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you're saying, yeah, like, look, the, the drop off is probably due to other factors. Like this kid's pretty good. And, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect him, like you said, not knowing how he is in the meeting room or things like that, but, you know, just his on uh field play, you'd expect him to, you know, continue that and be a you know at least a solid player in the nfl yeah i think so and like that you know again like 
And it's funny too. I forgot to mention. I, I was thinking about this though. He was another guy that had one offer coming out of high school as well. So he was, or at least one FBS offer. Um, Utah wow. State was his only FBS offer. So, you know, that's crazy. I, I think you know. I think there's a couple Pac-12 programs that probably would have liked to have had him last year. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I mean, played, put him on uh, Arizona State's team and said, uh, Brandon Ayuk could have been like, well, yeah, I, why wasn't this guy throwing me the ball? Oh no, no, no. There's no doubt. I mean, no. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, and but you know the the other interesting thing about like the quarterback position always is like sometimes those guys develop a little bit later too. You know, um, and there's sure. there's countless examples of that. So, you know, I think he'd be a guy that would probably benefit from you know maybe being able to be a backup. You know, and and learn a system for a few years under a, a seasoned vet, and then you know when he gets his opportunity to go, you know, make some mistakes, learn that way, and then you know rock and roll. So, but uh. You know, I I certainly hope he has a great NFL career because I, I think he's a tremendous competitor and um, you know it was impressive watching him play. I, I you know they I think they did a great job. I think their offensive coordinator tried to really find him after the game and just did a really nice job. I, he just he's the offensive coordinator at Minnesota now. He got hired over there and uh, you know they got a good system for for Love in place. Um, and and he performed, but yeah, there's I mean the year before, there's no doubt he was more productive um, in the previous season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, speaking of previous seasons, in 2018, you got to coach uh, against. Uh, you guys played Penn State, so you saw Miles Sanders and KJ Hamler, and then you also had to travel down to Oxford, Mississippi, to take on the Rebels, and they had AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and Dawson Knox. Um, I mean, Miles Sanders is the premier prospect out of that group. But anybody, yeah, if you want to touch on any of those guys and let us know, you know, what did you what you think about those guys having a coach against them? Yeah, um, you know, Miles Sanders, tough runner, um, you know, a very, very talented kid. Um, K.J. Hamler, exceptional, exceptional speed, um, can really go-go. Um, and, and, again, like elite agility, ability to change direction, those kinds of things. Um, going into the Ole Miss game, you know, we felt like we, we, we none of us had ever seen an offense like that. Um, you know, and I'm going back to, you know, GA and at Mississippi State and, and Kansas and Texas. You know, there was there was nothing like this from the quarterback to the tailbacks to the, the receivers, the tight end. Um, they're as talented as it came. So, um, D, you know, Metcalf, obviously, just, I mean, saw him in pregame warning or pregame warmups, excuse me. And then like considered turning in my resignation before the game even started. It was a warning. It, it really was. <laughs> that was probably a Freudian slip there. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and obviously AJ Brown, no slouch either. So um, just really, really in a, went into that game, spent a ton of time, game planning for those matchups and like how can we put ourselves in the best position to try to really limit you know what these freaks are 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 capable of doing um you know and uh so they're 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 both fantastic receivers um you know and obviously that's that's showing in the nfl um and then the not dawson knox the tight end um really had the play of the game that so we were you know we were talking in pregame and everything and we're like you know let's 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 give him hell like let's let's throw everything we can at him and let's let's find out what happens and you know that was a game now going into halftime where it's seven to nothing and we're like well here we go man like let's go i mean it's yep. it's working you know like let's let's yep. go win the damn game and 
you know, it was uh, it was either a seven or a ten point game still in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, had a chance. We're we're in the game at Ole Miss with this unbelievable offense, and you know, it was a it was a critical play, deep ball um, down the seam, and Knox went up and made a fantastic catch, um, and that was really, in my opinion, the play that kind of, you know stuck the nail in the coffin a little bit. I think if we get off the field there, our offense goes down and scores, you know, then we really truly have a chance to win that football game. Um, you know, but he made a play. Um, quarterback made a great throw, and he went up and, and made a play. Um, and, you know, he's, uh, he's a great player for the Bills. I think he's going to be a fantastic football player. He's only going to get better and better. So he's played in big games. He's made some big plays. Uh, I think all three of those skill guys for Ole Miss are, are top, top guys. Hmm. Yeah, they certainly uh, they've certainly looked to be the part uh, in the NFL so far. Rookie seasons have been pretty uh, pretty impressive, especially AJ Brown going to a team where um, you know nobody thought they were you know they'd throw it all in Tennessee and um, starting out the season with Mariota switching to Tannehill. You know um, uh, Corey Davis be, having a better you know higher draft capital and stuff and just thinking like he well he'll probably be the alpha receiver and then AJ Brown maybe the number two but Brown yeah he really showed out and. Metcalf too in Seattle. Um, so, um, any other college, you know, football players that you wanted to just touch on? Anybody else that you know you thought, you know, I really like to spend a second, you know, just talking about this guy? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of Kent State guys I'd like to, um, you know, just talk about briefly, um, if that's okay. Um, Heck yeah. You know, we got a, a couple of guys, um, you know, just on, on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, where I coach, um, Jamal Parker uh, was a cornerback for us this year. Um, and also was a uh, really really impactful um, in the in the as a kick returner um, as well. Um, returned one for a touchdown um, against Eastern Michigan. Uh, returned one for a touchdown against Ohio, which got called back. Um, which was a you know would would have again had a potential there to to kind of change the game a little bit. So yeah, I remember it was a tough one um, for sure. But you know, just Jamal is one of the. Uh, one of the most competitive young men I've ever had a chance to be around. Um, he's a young man that you can you can coach extremely hard because he's a tough-minded kid, um, and you know, not to mention the fact that he's also you know a fantastic football player. So um, it was a lockdown corner for us. Um, you know, we ended up playing a lot more man coverage this year than we did the first year at Kent State, and a big part of why we made that decision was Jamal. So. Um, you know, from an NFL standpoint, there's no doubt guys are going to look at him think he's a little bit undersized. Um, I'm telling you right now, all he has to do is get into a camp and he's going to make an NFL roster because of the fact that he adds special teams um, value, which is so important um, for, a, for a rookie, um, especially in particular an undrafted rookie, if that ends up being the case. Um, but I think that it's one of the most competitive guys I've ever been around, and I think he's just going to will himself uh, onto an NFL roster. Um, another guy that we have that also falls into a little bit of that undersized category would be um, Theo Majette, um, a defensive lineman, extremely productive for us. Um, again, another guy that falls into that undersized category, um, but extremely productive, got all MAC honors as well, um, as well did uh, Jamal. But, uh, you know, guy that some teams have talked about, you know, almost like Rosie Nix, you know, who obviously is a Kent State former player um, uh -huh. that made a Pro Bowl with the Steelers as a as a fullback and a special teams guy. 
you know, people are looking at him in potentially that role. So um, he's a guy that I think, you know, has a, has a chance there for sure. Um, would love to see him, you know, get into a camp and get an opportunity because I think he'd have a chance to shine too um, if he's able to get that opportunity. So hopefully that happens for him. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I'm glad you got a chance to talk about some of those guys. That's neat. It was fun watching them all year playing, you know, on your defense. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So that's, um, that's really cool. Um, so last thing we wanted to uh, ask you about, um, obviously, the uh, we're all Browns fans, you know, the three of us, um, and then, you know, a lot of our listeners are Browns fans as well. Um, obviously, uh, the Browns hired a new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, um, and his offense um, has, uh, you know, he's going to have a fullback on the field a lot of times. Uh, there's a ton of play action, misdirection. It's a wide zone running scheme. Um, just, I mean... I know you you don't have you know we haven't seen tape of Stefanski's offense in Minnesota, but that general idea of an offense that's going to run you know in that manner, um, you know what if you're the defensive coordinator and you have to you know come up with a game plan against that kind of an offense, you know what what are the challenges that you're going to be presented with? What are the things that are going to make you go, ugh, this is frustrating. We have to deal with you know X, Y, and Z. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, I. Every 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 offensive system has its challenges, and without a doubt, you know there's there's certain things that a spread offense presents issues in in one way, you know, um, and more of a, a pro style play action oriented offense um, certainly presents a lot of challenges there as well. Um, the the team in our league that probably runs the uh, a, a, a system that's most similar to what the Browns will be doing is a Ball State. Um, and I, I, I mean, I think their coaching staff does such a fantastic job. I, I give their head coach and their offensive staff like so much credit because they're really, really good at running the football. Um, they're also, uh, you know, an outside zone um, team. That's that's where they that's what that's their bread and butter, um, and it just sets up everything else. You know, in their in their passing game, um, all of the play action passes, all of the nakeds that they do off of it, um, that present an issue because. You know, you, you, you. First thing you want to do against a good running football team is you want to close the middle of the field and get an extra hat. You know, in the box, committed to stopping the run. You know, and then these types of teams, they they hit you on the play action, and you know they're running the the crossing routes, the the cross country you know routes, the the wave routes, and 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 they're hitting those voids. You know, where where the linebackers are stepping up to defend the run. So, you know, you've you 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 challenge to play a little bit of man coverage and try to get a little bit tighter to those and then you know they they've got things for that you know the ways that they can beat you you know off of that and obviously they're they've got some talent um it's going to be really hard for people to just man up the cleveland browns you know what i mean they've they've got talent at wide receiver so um you know you look at the rams you look at what the patriots were able to do against them in the super bowl um obviously was a brilliant plan um, you know, and that's a that's a plan that would require you to really have enough talent in your front seven um, to really be able to stop the run with just those guys and not need any safety help. Um, which you know, if if you've got that talent, obviously your life's going to be a lot easier. If you don't, you know, then then you're going to fall victim to some of the schemes that they're going to run. So um I'm super fired up about it. I really am. Um I think it's going to help Baker Mayfield. I think it's going to help our running attack. 
Um, you know, I, I think Chubb is a fantastic tailback. Uh, I think he's probably between him and Baker. I don't know who's going to benefit more from the new offense. So yeah. it'll be exciting to see. Um, hopefully the receivers benefit from it as well. Um, you know, but it's the, the challenge just comes from a lot of the eye control issues, you know, and, and having to serve two masters, you know, stepping up to stop the run. Oop, it's play action pass. Now I got to roll and run and see if I can get into a window in time. And if you're not able to, you're going to give up some explosive plays. So, um, it's exciting. I think Browns fans should be excited about it. Um, you know, so we'll find out soon enough. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Obviously, we got the next big thing, of course. Well, free agency, you know, the league, uh, I think the league year starts March 15th, 16th, 17th, somewhere around there. And then the draft is April 23rd, I believe. And then, yeah, it'll be uh, end of August, beginning of September before we know it, that's for sure, which, uh, which means that you guys will be back on the field as well. Um, and uh, I know I'm, I can't wait for that, especially after the way last season went for you guys, the, the winning record. And, you know, it, it, you take away the, the three, you know, games where you got to travel to big stadiums and stuff like that, you know, Wisconsin and all that. And you guys are, you know, it's a seven and three season. I mean, that's incredibly impressive. So just incredibly impressive. Um, but, uh, yeah, so congrats again on, you know, uh, the season last year on winning the first ever bowl game in Kent State football history. Um, and just thanks, man, for coming on. This was great. I mean, I just think that, you know, people that are trying to find out about these running backs and players and stuff like that, like we can, you know, Chandler and I can talk about it. And, and you know, I, I know we, we do, do, you know, due diligence and try to, you know, watch tape and read articles and get the most information, but it doesn't even come close to comparing to actually having to come up with a game plan, you know, to coach against these guys. So no. it's, uh, that's really cool. So again, yeah, thank you, Tommy. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no, again, thank you guys. Again, I, I, I can't thank you enough. And, you know, again, I just, I, I think you guys do a phenomenal job. Um, you know, I can't stress that enough. I think you guys are awesome. So um, I'd come on anytime. Um, you know, fired up again about the future of Kent State football. We start spring practice. Our first practice is on Monday, so everybody oh, wow. on the staff Ooh. is really fired up about that. We're we're ready to go. Plans are in place, and uh, it's a really really fun time to be a football coach. So, um, anytime I can get on with you guys, though, I, I'd love it. Um, again, I think you guys are phenomenal, and keep doing what you're doing. Dustin Crum Heisman watch. Dustin Crum Heisman watch, baby. There's it no doubt now. about that. It Let's starts it. now. And, you know, playing, uh, you know, Alabama, uh, you know, Kentucky, you know, um, oh. Penn State, and uh, those, you know, those types of games, like, that's 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 a good thing for him. I mean, he's going to have an opportunity to, to get on a big stage. And the one thing that everybody knows about Dustin is it's never going to be too big for him. So um, he'll shine in those venues and uh, and really obviously help the family, but help himself out tremendously in those areas as well. Uh, Tommy, when's the spring game for Kent State? Um, the spring game is April 13th. Yeah, I know we have at least one Kent State, uh, big Kent State fan, listener. So I want to shout him out right now on Twitter. He is very active. John, I don't know if he is for you, but he's very active on our podcast Twitter account. His name's EA on Twitter, and his at is actually P-I-A-S for life. Everyone go give him a follow. And he's oh. a Kent State Flash fan. Big, he's a huge Kent State fan. Huge uh, Kent his State His picture fan. is Kent State. So, And I, I'm a... sure PIAS 
stands for something, but I'm not going to say it. Piaz, Piaz, I'm going to pronounce it wrong either oh, way. Oh, can so. I, I actually know. Can I tell you what it stands for? Please. Yeah. So that is actually uh, my, our cousin, uh, Eddie Allen. Really? Um, yes. It's, Eddie. it's my cousin. Yep. And oh. um, Welcome, Eddie's Eddie. a huge football guy, college, NFL, you know, fantasy, everything. Um, uh, P-I-A-S stands for Play It Again Sports. Um, so uh-huh. Eddie, Eddie owns the store on um, – uh, it's in Mayfield, uh, in Cleveland, um, like just All outside right, of plug Cleveland. It in. Plug yeah, it in. absolutely. So if you are on the east side of Cleveland and you need great deals on your sporting equipment, we got to we, we got to get them as a sponsor on the damn show. I don't know why this. I don't know why I haven't thought of this. <laughs> clearly, my entrepreneurial brain is. Uh, well, I don't have one. Clearly, I'm reading so. his Twitter thread and uh, I'm already laughing. He's a funny guy. Oh, he's hysterical, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, oh, that, yeah that's. Eddie, That's funny you said that. You know what? We're going to go off of football for a little bit. Eddie actually gave me the worst news I've ever received today. I Uh-oh. switched. I got oh my, my God. to switch so from Dish to YouTube TV. I was like, this is unstoppable. I am YouTube TV. I am the robot. Like, I just, everyone I talk to and anyone that knows me personally in real life is nodding their head right now. All I do is ask you who your damn TV provider is trying to get you to switch to YouTube TV. I got... Both my brother-in-laws to switch. I, they got their relatives to switch. I, I'm just getting everyone. I was I was hyped up on YouTube TV, and Eddie, thanks a lot, Eddie. Tweets today quotes YouTube TV saying we're getting rid of Sinclair. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know who Sinclair was. I didn't even read yep. the rest of YouTube's tweet, and he said if we're talking Fox Sports, I'm out. So I looked into it. And apparently Sinclair is just this group of old, nasty white dudes who are super greedy. Obviously, they own Fox Sports now. I know that. They've been in contract negotiation stalls with – oh, like they're just stalling out everyone, demanding the most amount of money. And, Eddie, for all you guys out there listening, I do have a solution for you. Reddit live streams. That's all I'm going to say. But it does yeah. suck. It is, it is seriously the most disappointing thing. It's ever. the whole Fox Sports family. I dropped a major F-bomb in my family group text about it. I was very upset. I was very upset because they did not want – I mean, uh, oh, I don't know how to word this nicely. A lot of the middle-aged generation and up are very conscientious when they want to get more digital. I'm going to try to say this the most nice way ever. Um, uh Old people don't like to get switched to technology. That's just it. They're scared of it, kind of. You know, some start to come around to it. So I sat there talking to my mom and dad for hours trying to get them to switch to YouTube TV. Finally, I woke up one morning. It was over. It was the last week of summer break, and I was getting ready to head back to school. And I woke up, and I had an ad from YouTube TV, you know, because I'd been talking about it. So, of course, it pops up on my Instagram feed as Google tracks everything I do. (laughs) And... I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. So I called Dish. I canceled. And I signed them up for YouTube TV. It instantly saved them $70 a month. That's yep. besides the fact. Yep. Unlimited DVR. We had Fox Sports again because we didn't have the Indians because Sports Time Ohio. And it's – I'm just – I'm really disappointed. Really disappointed. It, it's unbelievable because like that – oh, God. And I haven't had probably a cable. Like the, I think the last cable – Technically, cable, whatever is I was Direct TV when I was in living in Los Angeles, so that I could watch the Browns. Hmm. Um, what a and guy. so, 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Um, and so, yeah, I wasn't going to be the sad guy at the bar at 10 a.m. and, you know, in California, like, okay, I'm here. I'm a Browns fan. I'm here to watch the Browns. <laughs> do you do you have some sort of a omelet and beer combination for me? Drunk what do you have? 10, drunk by 10 to forget the uh, pain. It's 10-10 and we're down 20 to nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God, please just now start bringing the whiskey, too. I need more. <laughs> Unbelievable. Do you have any heroin specials today? Are there any any heroin? On the <laughs> yeah. No, that's unfortunate. I'm in the wrong bar. So yeah, I mean, but anyways, like those, like if you look up all those, you know, all the streaming services, like it's always one thing that you want that the one thing is missing. Like Sling is good, but they don't have local channels. Like I'm not paying 50 bucks a month and I can't watch NBC. Like, what are you, are you nuts? Like, I'm not streaming the Sunday night football game. Like, get get out of here with this. Like, just why can't oh, it's? I don't know why somebody doesn't come up with just an a la carte, you know, system where you're like, look, just give me the ESPNs, uh, give me the NFL Network, uh, give me the Big Ten Network, give me the Fox Sports ones, so I can make sure to get you know the bizarre Big Twelve games that are on there and all that kind of crap. Um, and then AMC, the local, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, like. I, you know, TNT, TBS, sure, throw those in too. I don't want to miss the March Madness tournament and True TV because I need True TV for that too now, which is annoying, but whatever. But yeah, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So now you have to figure out the Indians again. It's like, this is ridiculous, man. Yeah, so. I, I'm just taking my talents to Reddit streams. Yeah. I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I got to look into it. So it's, I'm so I think frustrated. it's definitely illegal, but I haven't got caught yet. Um, John, now that we're done bitching about YouTube TV, yes, sir. I just want to take two seconds to say a couple of really fascinating things I've seen on uh, seen from the combine today so far. Oh, good. We're recording this on Thursday night, folks. So the first one is people complaining about how bad this tight end class is because of a combine. Well, two things. One, everyone kind of knew this tight end class didn't have any Hawkinsons or Fants, Knox, etc. Mm-hmm. Um. But then I will also go on to say people didn't rave about Gronk or I'm going to go ahead and go there. Aaron Hernandez or Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or Zach Ertz. Like, yeah, they were talked about. But the way that people talked about Hawkinson and Fant last year, these best tight ends in the league weren't talked about to that level. So, one, I want to say. There are so many elite-level players in the NFL right now that we're not talked about in the combine stage, and there are so many terrible players that are not on rosters anymore that outperformed everybody at the combine because people get sucked in by that. The combine should be just a – it should not be a determinant of whether or not you draft someone. First of all, I want to say that. Film is the most important. Second of all, people, if a tight end – just because a tight end isn't out there running a 4-5 – does not mean they're bad. Not everyone has to be a receiving tight end. And third, I just want to say, Adam Troutman, I don't know what he ran at his 40, but apparently it was terrible. He just had a six seven eight three cone. Whoa. I don't I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I'm pretty sure DK's was a seven one eight. Okay, DK Metcalf stumbled and fell during that. Hey, That's hey, why his was so bad. No, but... no, no, we're using DK. Shut up. <laughs> everyone is picturing his abs right now. But to not to put it in a um, fair comparison, I would say a, a seven would be a, a seven is 
widely accepted as good for tight ends. That's your under seven is that's yeah, that's magical. That's where you want to be. Six, that's, seven, that's eight impressive. is 210. Six, seven, eight is like Denzel Ward body type speed. It, it, I, I don't know what's going on. I have no clue. I have no clue how that happened. I, I, I don't know. Incredible. I saw his, I saw his 40 time was terrible. I didn't see what it was, but I saw someone tweeting about it to run a six, seven, eight, three cone, man. Yep. That's ridiculous. Um, the other thing, Albert O. Um, uh, just like PFF, I'm not gonna try try to pronounce his last name. Akwegbunam. Okay, piss off. Akwegbunam. Come on, get it down. You're a podcaster. Let's go. Here's the here's my podcasting tip. If I don't know how to pronounce something, (laughs) I should just start saying Albert O. and not tell everyone. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. It makes me more likable. That's his nickname ever since I met him. Never. So. What? Yeah. But he's 260 pounds. Uh, he is the most – he checks the most boxes out of every tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just in well, especially terms now he of – Yeah, in terms of not having a weakness, he checked it. Like, But he was not – he's not the best tight end at any one thing. He just ran a 4-4-9 <laughs> on his first attempt in the 40. That – I mean, that's that's super impressive. A 4-4-9. 4 And then – the last one was Quintez Cephas ran a four seven. Okay. Ran a four seven something, but so I he's he's a weird he's a kind of I he just reminds me of Rashard Higgins like I think he'll have that type if he gets in, he has the ability to make plays but he will not separate from people he's not gonna out he's not gonna out jump you, hey, he's just a weird player, I do think he has talent though. Oh, absolutely. But, Absolutely, yeah. Um, what's his name? Justin Jefferson ran a four four four. Yeah, I mean that. I think that was expected, but still, that's you know that's speed you'd like to see. It showed up on tape, and now to see it in the, you know, the combine. And actually, um, you made a really good point a second ago, and I just definitely wanted to highlight that real fast because um, they're so few and far between I with you. I was about to say, I am uh, very surprised. Yeah. So no, but the. Um, so ruling out, like looking at the combine and saying, oh, none of this stuff matters is is reductionist and, and ridiculous. Like uh, it, if you want to really just simplify it, okay, a- athleticism has to matter in athletics, okay? Like it just has to matter, right? How athletic you are, if you're going to be an athlete, has to matter. So, you know, we're just putting numbers to different, you know, metrics, key metrics, and now this isn't to say that anything, you know, any one metric is, you know, more important than another or anything that matters more or less or, you know, these are much more about thresholds. Um, you know, like the obviously the Joey Burrow hand size thing came up because, you know, there isn't a really good track record of quarterbacks under with you know, under nine inch hands of being very successful in the NFL. Um, and so you know, you measure his hands and they come in right at nine inches. And, you know, I like, I get it. And it was funny what he tweeted about, you know, I'm considering retirement now that the ball is going to slip out of my tiny hands, <laughs> um, which, you know, good for him. Cause that was really funny, but also like, I'd just like to add, I've been talking about that with people a lot. Just, I'm not, I'm not going to block John off, but just think about the places. Go look at Cincinnati's schedule at next year and tell me if you think small hands might affect him a little bit. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Go on. Interesting. Why? What notes? What's what's with the schedule? So you just look at the AFC North. 
Um, I don't know if Baltimore plays how close they play to the coast, but um, you know the Bengals play on basically the river, which doesn't have a lot, but it does. It is cold there. It is windy yeah. there, and then the Browns have that swirling wind mm-hmm. and the dog pound, and they play on the lake, and then Pittsburgh. I'm almost certain Heinz Field is on that river. Yeah, it's well. It should be right where I think they just put it right over three rivers. Basically, yeah. I think yeah. it's right so, where. They play on a river there, which, you know, might not have significant effects, but Pittsburgh has a swirling wind. They're cold. You know, their monster of a freaking quarterback has to wear a glove on his throwing hand. And then they play the NFC East this year. So then you go to New York, cold. You go to D.C., cold. You go to Philly, cold. That's 11 games right there. That's – 11 hmm. games right there. If if the Ravens play, I don't know where the Ravens are. Stadium's located. Yeah, they're not far. I mean, the Baltimore's the pretty close to the Atlantic. So. But I think the small hands might be a factor this year. I'm cool. going to have to go look. I'm going to look it up, like, you know, the starting quarterback's uh, hand size. But I, it just strikes me as somewhat worrisome. Obviously, I do not think nine-inch hands should make you draft or not draft a player. I'm just right, right. I'm basically right. playing devil's advocate. I was talking with it with someone, and I was like, you know what? Because I was the Browns play on a lake, Pittsburgh. You know, Ben has to wear a glove. New York, Philly, DC. I don't know. It's just something. It's interesting. I just think it'll be an interesting storyline to see how he holds up in that way. Could be. But it sorry, could be for sure. I hope you didn't forget where you were. No, no, totally fine. I just was, and it really, that's just about it. Like it's just about thresholds, you know. Um, you know, these like nine inch hands and the seven second three cone and, you know, different marks for the 40, depending on your position and your size, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it really, you know, it's about fine tuning a little bit. It, it, and it's really it's confirming, you know, what you saw on tape, but, you know, or live, you know, when you watch the player play live. But when people really take it like over the top is. You know, things like, so John Ross, okay. Oh, I was just about to say John Ross. John Ross oh. sets the combine record and runs a 4-2-2, okay. And everybody goes nuts. And it's like, we, you knew John Ross was fast. Like it was, when you watched him play at Washington, it was there. Like you saw it. He was running by guys, you know. So he runs a 4-2-2 and you're like, okay, that's, now we've confirmed what we already knew. Like, that's fine. You know, it doesn't, that kind of stuff shouldn't change anything. Like he doesn't have to be the ninth overall pick, um, you know, because of that or, you know, the 10th, whatever it was, he was, he was in the top 10. I know that. So, you know, stuff like that, like that's when you can take it too far, you know, these things. So just the combine, you know, it matters, but it matters to the degree that you can sort it out and put it in, you know, some kind of a way that, uh, you, you know, it's just, it's another piece in the puzzle. You know, it's not, it's not the end all be all, um, Ooh. you know, there another famous example real quick, and then we can move on. Um, the, when they measure, they use a radar gun to measure the quarterback throws. Um, so they're just, they're just measuring, you know, the, the speed on every throw, right? Miles per hour. How fast did that one go? How fast did that one go? Blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't really matter, but except for if none of your throws get over 50 miles an hour, that is a threshold that is the list of – when I looked this up, I was like, holy crap. The list of quarterbacks who cannot throw the ball over 50 miles an hour, it's it's an incredible list of busts, right? And oddly enough, Deshaun Watson never hit 50 
uh, at the combine. He was one of the he's one of the last like really high touted players to come in under 50 on every single throw. Now, obviously, we've seen him play for a few years, and other than the injuries and stuff like that, um, and the fact that regardless of whether they have a good offensive line or, or bad offensive line or not, uh, he is he holds the ball way too long, and he is absolutely responsible for way more uh, sacks than. Um, it's just, it, you cannot pin that on a bad defensive line. Like, yes, a bad offensive line, excuse me. They do have a bad O-line, but he holds onto the ball way too much. And sacks are definitely a quarterback stat as well. So, but yeah, he's one of the last ones who just didn't, you know, never hit 50. And it's funny. It was, you know, I, I had learned that I think just prior to that and, and was like, oh, wow, I wonder if he'll be a bust because of that now. And so, you know, that's where it can be misguided. You know, it, it, it's a factor. And maybe you're like, maybe you wouldn't necessarily trade up for that guy like Houston did. I mean, I think obviously now we can say that they were proven right um, doing it because he is a very good player. But just that's what I'm saying. Just little things like that. Like it's just it's a it's a tiny little you know it's another statistic to put on the sheet underneath the player's name, and then you figure out like is it a, is it a pro enough to move him up? Is it a con enough to move him down? And usually they shouldn't be, you know, what you see on tape and what you know of the player and, you know, if they're smart, if they're interested, if they're, you know, passionate about the game. Um, I mean, that kind of stuff, that, that's got to matter way more than, you know, DK Metcalf stumbling during the three-cone drill. Like, it's just ridiculous stuff. So, but. Yeah. Uh, so next year the Bengals play four games in what I would call a mild climate. And also, some of it's going to depend on the time of year. But they play at Miami. They play at Lucas Oil. That's a dome. They play at Houston. Mm-hmm. He'll be fine dome. there. And then they play... Oh, that was the last one I saw. So they play, they play three games. And what is even like... Those those are all obviously three climates that you will not have to be affected by unless, you know, there's a hurricane in Miami. But it, it's just I, – I'm going to find that interesting. That's just one of those things, you know, we might never hear about it again. I Patrick Mahomes tweeted that he had small hands, so maybe it – He was the same as Baker. Had. It was nine – he and Baker are 9.25. So no. um, they were both – and that's on the smaller side. You know what I mean? Like I said, again, yeah. it's on the smaller side, but it's not – Why that know, makes a difference is what Joe Burrow's six five six four. He's Yeah, I he's mean – He's big, and Baker yeah. and Pat are small. But also, right. like, Joe Burrow's hands are big enough to grip a football. They're, he's big enough to pump fake a football. That is the number one thing. Like, if he was not able to grab a football, he wouldn't have just thrown 70-some completion percentage in college and lit up the entire nation. I mean, he had – yeah, he had arguably one of the – he had arguably the best season as any quarterback in college football history. So – You disrespecting Jamarcus Russell like that? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Blasphemy. Bite my tongue. (laughs) So – John, if you go to NFL.com slash combine slash top performers, you can find the uh, the stats for today. I don't know NFL. why that's com slash combine slash top performers. Yep, it should pop up. I'm a good listener. Yeah, you are. Thanks. So we planned on doing running backs after Tommy got off, but so John, how are you thinking since we didn't specifically cover running backs with Tom? 
talking about the combine the rest of this? What would just shit around about the combine? Um, I'm that good either way, way, man. Do the running back ones and like uh, have it titled running back prospects. Yeah, we can like the other ones. Yeah, and then we can refer back to this one if you want and touch on you know when we talk about uh, what's Absolutely. called guys that Tommy already spoke to spoke about. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he I might mean, know a already... little bit more than us. Well, and to be honest with you, I think the the real, <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> um, I I honestly think the, and I hope that anyone who's been listening to us since, you know, well, you've been doing this for longer than I have, that's for sure. But anyone who's been listening since I've started, um, I I guess I would feel pretty crappy if we if I ran through like my what do I have nine guys ranked in a sleeper in like fifteen minutes. Um, yeah. I'd rather spend a little bit more time getting involved with some of these guys because, and and I will. This is this will be a good little tease for when we actually you know do the running back rankings. I am stunned at the who the consensus number one. I do not understand. Like I really need you to explain this to me because I don't get it at all. Number one's DeAndre Swift. I don't have it either. I don't either. I don't get it. What in the world? Like we'll get into this on the actual podcast, but holy, what, I I don't know what people, I don't know. I'm gonna need to get I'm gonna need to get some kind of an explanation for this because I don't understand it. But mine's Zach Moss. I'll put it right there. You, they, they've found st- analytics have found that elusiveness is the most it is like the most recognizable factor that translates to a great NFL back. And Zach Moss just broke like all elusiveness records. So. That's who I'm going with. He's not the most flashy. He's not the most sexy pick. But, you know, Nick Chubb wasn't the most sexy pick in that 2018 draft class, and he might go on to be the best running back from that class. Yeah, I just said that, Saquon. I love Saquon. But I think part of Saquon's problem is that New York puts so much of the burden on him, and he's so explosive that his body's already starting to deteriorate at such a young age because he's that much of an athlete. Yeah. It's hard to – I don't know. It's hard no, to down what's going on with him. as a, a no as a as an actual okay Saquon Barkley is the best running back prospect we've ever seen. Like Shoot. no one has ever looked like that, run like that. But you know what I mean. He is unbelievable, and they just don't build human beings like that. It's incre- It's it's insane. But had Chubb not torn his MCL, then th- it would have been those two Chubb and Barkley back and forth for the number one. Like who who should be declared though number one and i i'm definitely saying that barkley was a better prospect i get it but like without that injury you know chubbs what the way the nfl um draft process would have viewed nick chubb would have been vastly different and to be honest i'm obviously as a browns fan i'm beyond thankful because i mean he was you know an incredible steal at what 34 35 overall 36 so unbelievable but yeah, amazing. So, all right, good. Well, then, um, yeah, we'll uh, what's it called we'll save the actual running back rankings list for uh, uh, next time. And yeah, um, yeah then let's, uh, let's talk about this Adam Troutman um, three cone time. Okay. While the the three cone, it you know it's not going to be telling, especially for a tight end. Like, is this guy going to be elite? But basically, I went back in the database. Till 2006, because that's the most NFL.com allows you. He's fifth in all-time three-cone time since 2006. And what scares me is that all of the tight ends around him, aside from number 10, were pretty 
non non factor tight ends. Um, I'll say number one has been a pretty good NFL player, Dennis Pitta. Um, he obviously not a tight end anymore, but he had yeah, Dennis Pitta. This guy's the fullback for the Ravens, right? Better be the right guy. Pitta was the he was a tight end who hurt his hip like three years in a row. Like he had really bad hip injury, and then after that, he just kept hurting it, and that was pretty much it. But he, so he did. He was the guy for the Ravens, right? Oh yeah, Ravens tight end. Yeah, All right. I'm he pretty sure. The... Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he played like that. Right when they started – drop back a lot and play fullback. Yes, correct, because he was a bigger guy. And right when they started drafting six tight ends a year is when he, like, started to fall off. So well, after listen, they were like – I'm going to give this to Dennis Pita then. So obviously, he probably doesn't have an NFL career to look back on right now. But let's talk about this man's combine. Holy shit. So he's 6'4". He was 250. He had 32-inch arms, 10-inch hands, all good. All very good metrics. 40-yard dash he didn't do. That's probably smart. It probably wasn't very fast because his um, – well, I don't know where I was going with that. I, I don't know what I was saying. Anyway, his, uh, he didn't he, do his 40-yard dash. It probably wasn't very good. If, you don't, if you're not good at the 40-yard dash, don't do it because for some reason that people like Gettleman and Dorsey think that is indicative of your football skill. He had 27 <laughs> bench press reps. Incredible. 34-inch vertical. Incredible. 113-inch broad jump. Incredible. 6.72 three-cone drill. I mean that's otherworldly. I man, just fantastic. But anyway, just <laughs> wanted to give him a quick shout out. So since 2006, Adam Troutman's three cone time is now fifth all time since 2006. The only people ahead of him that you ever have heard of as a football fan is Mike Jasicki, and he had a 4.76, so .02 faster. And then Noah Fant is two below him, and then at number ten. John, have, are you looking at this list? No. Uh-uh. All right. Guess who number 10 is. I'll give you some hints. Okay. A very, very talented receiving tight end who was plagued by injury, and it's not Jordan Reed. Receiving very underrated. Played on the West Coast. 2011, would you have been in L.A.? Uh, the next year, 2012. Okay, so in 2011, he was playing – for the Trojans. Might have played tight end for your Browns. So I was going to – that actually, you know what? The first name I thought of was um, – what's don't his say name? Gary Barnage. No, the guy we okay. got from Arizona, um, uh, the receiving tight end that we had this past Seals year. Seals Jones? Yeah, Ricky Seals Jones. That's what I was going to say. Nope, not him. Okay, okay. It is Jordan Cameron. Oh, of course. Of course. I didn't remember him being that quick. I mean, obviously, I was also 10, but oh, no, I wasn't 10. I was 14. Either way. Um, (laughs) That's why you got to, you never, we talked about this. You haven't watched the league, have you? (laughs) No. There's an episode where they have him on and they have Cameron Jordan from uh, New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're making fun of the one guy because he doesn't know he can't tell them apart, and he he think he knows one of them's on his fantasy team, but he can't he doesn't know which it is. <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's Cameron Jordan. He's like, no, I'm Jordan Cameron. He's like, yeah, that's why I said you're Jordan. Cam- no, I'm Cameron Jordan. <laughs> I'll have to watch that. Uh, for any of you out there that give a damn about tight end combine times, OJ Howard's there at 13, and I'll tell you what right now, if OJ Howard does not get him a damn coach and quarterback that will utilize him right. Send him on up to Cleveland, damn it. I'll take Ninjoku and him 
Just give me mediocre blockers at best. All, all day. All day. I'll take O.J. Howard 12 times over. Trade him for a damn bag of rocks right now, the way Bruce Aaron uses him. Son of a bitch, old man. It is anyway. bizarre. Uh, anyway, so uh, results from oops, today's combine. That's not today's combine. But also Jordan Phillips of Oklahoma, defensive back, cornerback specifically, had a 6.22 three-cone time last two years ago. I don't remember wow. hearing about that. Wow. That's ridiculous. I, I don't think people understand how fast that is. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, so they don't have wide receiver and quarterback in yet. So they got a couple of these guys. So the 40, Ayuk ran a 4.5 flat. Ooh, that's not as good as I thought. No, that's slower than you would have thought for him, especially since we just said he was only, he's six foot, what, 201. Well, that was the uh, height and weight listed on the one website. We'll see what these guys actually weigh Eno, in. Eno Benjamin's 40 time will be really telling if he gets drafted or not. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, Chase Claypool ran a four four five. I know, I saw that. I was Here's like, the only wow. problem. What? It, I mean, I guess not really. I was about to say he didn't really choose a position. He's really a tweener, but I think he chose. I, I think he's like, I'm going in all in wide receiver. Four four five is that's wide receiver time. Now his quickness is going to be a big deal, but because he only had 19 bench reps, only had 19 bench reps. Like that's weak. But um. You know, for he he does not have the tight end numbers. People thought he might want to transition there after the Senior Bowl. He's going in all in at wide receiver. He's going. Notre Dame just drafts these giants. Miles Boykin, Chase yep. Claypool. What? Get them a damn quarterback in there, and they might be decent. Yeah, really. Absolutely. Um, trying to see. And who else? Antonio Gibbs. Antonio Gibson with a four-four flat. He'll be a. He's a lot like Duke Johnson. He's a running back that I think will play a lot of slot at the next mm. level. Yep. Running back out of Memphis for the, you listening. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh Quintez Cephas, we just talked about he ran a four seven three. So yikes. Hope you are a good big jumper and gonna box out a lot of people on those uh very short to the line of scrimmage routes that you'll be running. So Brandon Ayuk's forty uh inch vertical was the most uh, the, the smoothest forty-inch jump I ever saw. He even bent his legs to jump. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. I saw that too. I was like, Just "What? How did good. you? How'd you do that?" Um, KJ Hill ran wide receiver from Ohio State. Ran a four-six flat. Ew. That is weird. Not what that, I would expect it. Although no. I would expect his three cone to be fast. He's a very quick sure. guy. And the other thing you gotta, I and. Obviously, I think all the great GMs in the league don't look at the 40-yard dash as your make or break. But it does help if you can get a go. It usually helps you get a payday. But um, K.J. Hill's hands are some of the best that I've just ever seen. They're not the best, but you know what I mean. He's just the kind of player that you don't know how he holds on to some of those balls. And he has the famous sticky hand touchdown celebration. But mm-hmm. he's an impressive player, I think. I think No, absolutely. Fine. Trying to... Find some more. Got to go through Twitter to find these. Hey, here's some wide receiver me- measurements for you. The tallest was Colin Johnson. That's no surprise. He's basically 6'6 from um, Texas. Heaviest, Chase Claypool is 240. 
It just scares the shit out of me. Like, just imagine Denzel Ward having to guard Jace Claypool. That's just terrifying. Right. Um, But longest arms goes to Jawan Johnson. And he had the longest wing. And he had the biggest hands. So, it's just... It's interesting that um, Colin Johnson didn't. And I haven't heard a lot about Jawan Johnson. 6'4 receiver from Oregon, for those of y'all listening. He is already 23, though. That's that's old. That's not good. No, that's interesting. And I did not know that. He played for Penn State, too. Maybe he's a grad transfer for Oregon. I'm not going to act like I know him because I don't. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> um, we talked about earlier the uh, was curious about the schedule for the combine. So the running backs are actually tomorrow. Um, so this will actually be perfect timing because when we, you know, we can, I don't either this weekend, you know, early next week, whatever, we can record the uh, running back part, and then um, not only will we have the list and we can piggyback off what Tommy was just talking about, but now we'll have the um, combine results as well. So that should help um a ton so yeah um this is actually timing wise this worked out really well yeah i've got about 10 more minutes we can cut it shorter if we have to if we can't keep finding stuff but i'm just scrolling through nfl combine right now donovan peoples jones who i have been telling people is a good wide receiver plagued with the fact that shea patterson's been throwing him the ball a 44 and a half inch vertical oh wow oof wow That's impressive. That's unbelievable. And here's a video of Justin Herbert just dropping an absolute dime. Oh, my sweet prince. That one's for you, Eric. My sweet prince is throwing very well today. He ran kind of fast, too. He, he'd, um, I think he had like a 4.63 or something like that, like decent for as big as he is. That's pretty impressive. Oh, he jumped a uh, – he had a 35-and-a-half-inch vertical, so not bad. Who did? Justin Herbert, your boy. Had a what? 35 and a half. I thought you said 45. Oh, no. I'm buying a Justin <laughs> Herbert jersey uh, right now. In a 60-inch vertical on that oh. Justin Herbert. 35 is <laughs> good, too. For... 35 is very good for as tall wow. as he is. Yeah. And a quarterback? Yep. Yeah. No, he's athletic for sure. Like I said, he let me – I'll look up his 40 real quick because I just uh, – 468. So not okay. bad at all considering – I mean, guys like um, – I think – from ran real slow. The other one, um, Eason. Eason ran real slow. What was his? Ooh, Let me look this I up. already uh, interviewed bad too. Oh, Fromm's a five oh one. Oh. Uh, Forty. And Eason was a four eight nine. So Herbert was much faster than the two of them. Well, what was Baker? Baker was a. He I had mean, a bad forty time. Didn't doesn't he? matter. Baker's an R. He's already he's already the guy. He's he's the guy. Oh, absolutely. this year for next year doesn't you know what I mean? It doesn't make a difference. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, I know that. I know. I know. I'm just. Joking. I uh, I am uh, just curious. It's like a threshold because you know, Browns listeners. But I hope he was not drafted in 2019. Contrary to most popular beliefs, my <laughs> my beliefs will be the most popular. Um, oh, Baker ran a 484. Psh. Oh, okay. Me? We got fucking Usain Bolt in the backfield. Um, excuse me. Oops. <laughs> we have beep Usain Bolt. So um, that was a. <laughs> yeah. My bad if you're with your kids. Well, now it's R-rated. Great, great. You know now what I was looking today? See. I had not been marking these explicit. I don't know if I'm assuming that I have been cussing in them. 
Um, I don't think a lot. I mean, uh-huh. every I now and again. certainly haven't just done that out of nowhere. When the Browns rants come on, that's usually when we start to get a little bit uh, yeah, I get fired up. Heated. But, all right, let's look through these quarterbacks from this year real quick, and then we'll look at the wide receivers, and we'll start to wrap it up. But So, Kelly Bryant from Missouri, and Kelly Bryant's a big boy. I want to see what he weighed in at. He might have lost weight. Okay, he's only at 230 now. I know two years ago he was a lot heavier than that. Uh, Kelly Bryant, you're basically useless trying to be as nice as possible. Um. <laughs> okay, so did they only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven quarterbacks run the forty, or is NFL just not updating everyone's thing in? I think. Well, they're if they're going in order, some kind of order or whatever. They may. There are definitely some guys who aren't running. Obviously, like Burrow's not running, but yeah. there are other guys. They probably just haven't gotten to him yet because this the the change this year was the this. This kind of stuff was going to be in prime time, so you could actually like watch it, you know, in the evening. Um, mm-hmm. And I like I think Saturdays or Sundays are going to go till like 11 p.m. So, or, or tomorrow nights goes till 11 p.m. Saturday as well. So um, they kind of wanted to have this, you know, in prime time. Of course, I have YouTube TV, and it, I don't have the Reds or the NFL Network. This channel, might be a dumb so. question because I'm going to assume you don't, because you probably have a life, unlike me. Do you have an Xbox? Uh, PlayStation. Ah, uh, Xbox. You can watch NFL for free. Oh. Okay, so Jacob Eason. Ah, uh, he looked. He looks thin. He looks good. He looked pretty good running. For those of you that have that listened to our quarterback episode, uh, I said a lot. I, John, I'm not gonna lie. I don't remember exactly what you said about Eason. I know that we didn't touch on him a lot. We spent most of our time on love of the quarterbacks that are not widely talked about. Yeah. But Eason's six six. He's 230, and he reminds me a lot of, you know, obviously his what you would, the best he could be would be like a Matthew Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger type. And by that I mean he's not afraid to throw the ball downfield, even if it's a sticky situation down there. He will stand in the pocket and take the hit for you. And he's got a rocket of an arm. But also he wasn't able to play at a – elite caliber level against the Pac-12. And the Pac-12 has some good defensive back units for sure. Washington, Utah, they're always Washington's always pumping people into the NFL. But uh he only had nine and a half inch hands. That's a little surprising. Hmm. Being the size he is. He's undraftable now. Not because of his back play. <laughs> uh Easton was my number six quarterback. Yep, me too. I think that was the only one that we absolutely agreed on. Interesting, Devin DuVernay, God, I hope I pronounced that right, Texas wide receiver. So he's the 5'11 counterpart to Colin Johnson's 7' foot tall. But uh, he ran a 4'39". He got it under. So did Antonio Gibson. They both cracked 4'3 at the end. So not a very fast wide receiver group. Wow. But something interesting, Antonio Gandhi Golden of Liberty, 6'4", 9-inch, 9-and-5-eighths-inch hands, 220 pounds, 22 bench reps, 36-inch vertical, and a 4'6", That's a good enough 40 for that strength and size and his contested jump ball ability. Real good one. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I already liked him. I don't think he'll get drafted high being from Liberty, but – uh. He's interesting. Hey, at least he got a combine invite. You have no, I mean that, 
that is yeah. really it, it, guys that don't even get invited to the combine like you're done it, it, it almost doesn't even matter if you do somehow get drafted like not getting a combine invite is a death knell i mean it's really tough so yeah if he's there he's at least got a chance um we got to wait till i'm sure it's gonna be later this evening but uh rugs uh henry rugs from alabama has got a chance to break oh, john ross's record yeah yeah they should still be running the rest of these wide receivers tonight good lord so yeah, they really like said, are changing the schedule. Last year, I was watching it during class. Yeah, it's the daytime. You're just like, you know, it's like 2.30 in the afternoon, and you're trying to check Twitter for updates on, you know, what these guys are running. So it's somewhat smart. Make it an event. You might as well. I mean, it's, Make you money know, we, we all love the, I mean, you know, if you love the NFL and you're tracking this stuff, like, you're you're probably going to watch it. So, but. Um, for sure. And then the other one is, let me find him. Oh, he's on Sunday. So. The DBs. Um, While you do that, I'll give a quick shout out. Oh, here it is, Javelin okay, uh, Gidry. Javelin Gidry from Utah. He's he's the other one that's got a real shot to break John Ross's four two two forty. So Rugs and Gidry are the two. Like that's those are the guys to watch out for. So Rugs later tonight, most likely, and then uh, Gidry not till Sunday. Okay, that's someone to look out for. And he has a cool name. Right. Cool stuff. Um, if another tight end, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Cincinnati. So he's a Ohio guy, redshirt senior, and since he's from Cincinnati, he'll probably be just like Travis Kelsey. No, but he ran a four seven two forty twenty five bench reps, which is the highest of the class. Thirty five and a half inch vert, and a seven one five three cone. So a good outing from Daguara. Daguara. Josiah, I was reading the. <laughs> I was reading uh, how to pronounce it, and it said "duh" in all capitals. So I, of course, my dumbass said "duh." Guara. You gravitated. You gravitated to that <laughs> naturally. You're like this, oh, these are my man. these are my people. I like when you start your name out with "duh." <laughs> these are my people. All right. Yeah, you're my. Yeah, you're you're mine. <laughs> uh, man. All right. Well, I gotta. I got to start wrapping it up, John. Anything else that stood out to you that you want to point um, out before we get out of here? No, man. I think that was it. Oh, I, I was uh, – we were joking around about how um, uh, Cephas, how ter- uh, Quintez Cephas, how terrible he was with the uh, 40. But he uh, – where did he do – let's see. He really – he balled out with the uh, bench press. Um, shit, where did this go? What do you have, 23, 23 reps of uh, 225? So – yeah, he's not going to be outrunning many people, but you're not taking the ball away from him, that's for sure. And if he has any kind of vertical, yeah, this will be a guy that can uh, bounce up and down, that's for sure. He's a wide out. That's why I couldn't find him. Cephas, where'd he go? So 38.5-inch vertical, and then he put up, yeah, 23 reps, so 225. So that's got to be – oh, no. Oh, that's a tight end. My bad. I was like, wait a minute. Somebody out repped him. That's got to be the high mark for wide receivers. I can't imagine anybody's going to put up more than 23 reps at 225. That's insane. So No, that's – that's yeah. That's – oh, my. Okay, sorry. One more, then I actually have to go. But, All right. <laughs> um, yeah, James Prochet, SMU, super talented player. Like one of I, – I think he's in my top ten receivers for sure. Um, but anyway – I watched him because PFF pointed him out. He's 5'11", 200 pounds, 20 bench reps. 
Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, he is just if a ball comes his way, it, it gravitates towards his hands. It's impressive. Yeah, there's some pretty uh yeah, there's some pretty impressive guys, that's for sure. Twenty by him is Prochet. That's really good. SMU, right? The Southern Methodist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, impressive, man, that's for sure. So um yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Me too. Um all right, folks. We will be doing the running backs very soon. Who knows? If we have time this weekend, maybe we'll do a full combine uh you know, review show. I don't know. Anything's up in the books, honestly. We just kind of go with the flow. Maybe maybe we could do that. Maybe we could do a set schedule sometime, but that's boring, and that's for schmucks, and you're not having dinner with the schmucks here. Uh, man, I don't have anything else. No, I, just uh, thanks again to my, bro- my brother, obviously, Tommy Kaufman, for uh, coming on the show. This was really cool. It was nice to uh, need to get a chance to talk to him and uh, get his perspective on all, a lot of these guys. That was really cool, so... Thanks again. Yeah, that was really awesome. That's the only reason I let John ever come on the show because I knew he had a hookup. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> no, it's use me for the uh, cool people in my life. Absolutely. I'm just happy to have some cool people in my life. Do you happen to know LeBron? Uh, know him? I no, I don't actually. Sorry. <laughs> that, 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 that joke. That joke ran out of steam real fast. I was like, oh yeah, Michael <laughs> Scott. No, um, <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, no, I don't know him. I've never met him. So unfortunately, but all I right, would... everyone go download this episode, go subscribe to the podcast. We really, really, really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Yeah. And if you're an iPhones uh, user, iTunes user, please leave a rating and review if you can. That would really, it really, really, really does help us. And it means the world. So please do that. Unless it's being mean to me. My fragile heart cannot take it. <laughs> Be mean to John. Be mean to John all you want. I'll keep the. I'll. I will feature those reviews. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll pin those to the top. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. We'll be back with the running backs very soon. Take care.